politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow patriots and taxpayers, to the one and only Conservative Review podcast here at our Northern Command Center on this fine Thursday, October 3rd. And yes, we welcome all of you illegal aliens and all, because nowadays what is illegal is really legal, and what is legal is deemed illegal. So uh, I guess you and I, the forgotten taxpayer who is not an illegal, who's not a felon, uh, who doesn't want anything from government, just get out of our way, just keep us protected, protect our borders, protect us from foreign threats, Iran, Chinese espionage, keep the order and deter and punish criminals and get out of our way. No, we don't we don't matter. And you know, before we delve into today's discussion, I just want to say this is the issue that's being lost through what is going to be a year-long battle up until the election over impeachment that this has nothing to do with Trump or Trump's opponents and largely this show for the last several years has transcended this whole debate over Trump because what is going on in this country is the fall of Rome. It's so much bigger than if Trump would be around or Trump's opponents would be around. We have a radical left in this country that doesn't fundamentally believe in law and order. It doesn't believe in citizenship. It doesn't believe in the goodness of America's history, of America's founding, of our traditional values of God, Bible, the Constitution. You can't bridge that divide. And then you have a fake Republican Party supposedly representing that forgotten citizen, but except they don't, and they help grease the skids for the other side and join with them on amnesty. They join with them on jailbreak. So we're all left without representation no matter what. That's that's the honest to goodness truth. And if we don't get to that point today, we'll get to it more tomorrow with the enemy within. But I want to tackle one of the spheres of anarchy that we discussed yesterday. And that is this jailbreak movement, this effort to deracinate and shred our criminal justice system to ensure that we do not punish and deter the bad guys in any way to ensure that people aren't arrested, that they're let out before trial, they're let out during the trial, they're never sentenced, they're barely sentenced, um, they get to violate parole with impunity, all this type of stuff. We spoke about a lot of cases yesterday, but... But I do want to discuss one of the parts from yesterday to kind of frame the thesis for today. And that is, it is time to finally speak the truth about incarceration, race, and crime. Because what is largely driving this effort to break down our criminal justice system like everything, is identity politics. It's all racial politics. And it's built on this dangerous myth that somehow we lock up too many people who happen to be black for too long, and it's a racist criminal justice system. And largely, Republicans have bought into this. And Trump, you see some of his tweets, Trump bought into this um, when he signed on that stupid First Step Act. And now he regrets it, and he realized that he was uh, taken for a ride, but that's his fault. It's time to blow the lid on this myth. 
We're going to do that today because I'm I'm just I'm sick of it. I'm sick of this utter nonsense every single day about um you know racial politics. The reality is we the the people we lock up are only for violent crimes. We don't lock up first time nonviolent offenders. Even the repeat violent offenders, we let go many of them. No one serves any time. And particularly blacks. And remember, most people aren't criminals, and that includes most people who are black or law-abiding citizens. But among those who are criminals, young black males commit an insane percentage of the violent crime. It has nothing to do with even drug laws, even though many of the drug traffickers are the ones doing all the other violent crimes too. But even if you took that out of the equation, they actually commit a larger share of the crime than their percentage of the prison populations. Finally, time to just bring the data, the latest data to the table and blow this myth off the table so that we don't go down this dangerous path of busting up an already weak system all to placate the constituency that is most responsible for the violent crime, thereby letting out dangerous people who will harm everyone, but most importantly, they're actually most often going to harm other blacks. And number two, so we don't distract from the real crisis at hand. You know, uh, Kevin McAleenan, the Secretary of Homeland Security, and there's a lot of stuff out there I want to get to on him, uh, Trump leaving in a Hillary leftist. So Kevin McAleenan doesn't care about Homeland Security. He doesn't care about law and order, law enforcement, public safety. What he cares about is media virtue signaling. So whatever the media says, that is where he's going to allocate Homeland Security resources. We saw this a lot with the border. Rather than deterring the cartels, he made agents babysitters because that's what the media demanded. It was all about the care for the illegal invaders, not the protection of Americans against previously deported sex offenders, cartels, drug traffickers, um, MS-13, you name it. So it's the same thing here. Last month, he announced that he's going to be diverting more resources to fight white supremacism, where he believes racial crimes are particularly problematic. And he said, particularly white supremacism. So if you came from Mars, you would think that the predominant crimes we have in this country are from whites and particularly white on black crime, racially motivated white on black crime is that's just ubiquitous. It's just just everywhere. That could not be farther from the truth. Now, let me just say that as a baseline, to us who believe in law and order, race doesn't matter. Identity doesn't matter. Um, as we said, the only thing that does matter is your immigration status because that will determine whether we could just remove you right away and you don't have to keep cycling in and out of the system risking recidivism. But in terms of any other identity, it, it doesn't matter because we believe in a maximum punishment and deterrent for people who will harm others. I don't care if you're white, black, orange, or yellow. That is the system we have. So we don't need hate crimes. We don't need this because you do the time, you do the, uh, you do the crime, you do the time. No matter what, you kill someone in first-degree murder, every one of them should be executed. 
Um, everyone else should serve long, hard time for violent crimes, crimes that really harm others. We need a strong deterrent. And the more you do that, the fewer people who will actually commit them. And therefore, guess what? The fewer people who will be in prison. But if you go the other way, you achieve nothing but lawlessness. But unfortunately, we have to discuss race because the other side is making an allegation, a very serious one, and saying that we lock up too many blacks for no reason. And as a result of that, they're using that as the lead argument to completely undo criminal justice in America. So we need to combat that, and we will do that. So I want to start with just something I mentioned yesterday. If you remember, we talked about this fiend, subhuman cockroach dirtbag, uh, Joaquin Whittle, who was caught and arrested for, over the weekend, this brutal knockout of the 71-year-old woman, who, by the way, herself appears to be a black woman, um, just came o o over to her out of nowhere, knocked her out, and broke her jaw. Um, just terrible pain that she's going to be in as a result of that. And you could tell how, like, the guy, like, you know, it was very blissful. He did it and kind of just walked off. You could tell he didn't fear a deterrent. And I mentioned at the time, I didn't know his background. Well, now we know some of his background. Thanks to the New York Post, they actually have an article on him from 2017. And they reference it in an article um, here where this guy just a couple years ago, and this is, this is unbelievable. I mean, truly, truly unbelievable. He was arrested for attempted rape. Okay, so this wasn't all Daniel low-level drug offenses. No, no, no. This was rape. This guy, um, he was 25 at the time, and he was on a subway station in Brooklyn, Prospect Park. Um, he followed a 23-year-old woman, and he said, you look like a hoe. I could rape you now. He grabbed her. Um, she got away, and then he... Um, he followed her up an escalator, grabbed her again. Um, he was caught by police. And basically, they say they don't understand. They don't have the records on how the case was disposed of. Meaning, is he still out on bond two years later and they never had a disposition of the case? Did he get off? It's very hard to find records in New York if you guys want to help me. Um, you could help dig that up. I could not find the criminal records, but they mentioned that there are three other sealed incidents aside from this. Now, I don't know if this is included, but I did find one actually in Pennsylvania, Chester County, Pennsylvania. He was arrested for um, what appears to be shoplifting. But this is a guy who attempted to rape a woman two years ago, and he's out. Either he wasn't convicted, either. He was, you know, he's been waiting two years and he's been out on bond. Or if he even had to post bond for two years. And he's out to knock out another woman. Violence against women. Talk about that. This is the story of our criminal justice system. 
for every so-called black, and it's not just blacks, it's, it's everyone we're being lenient on, but disproportionately violent crime comes from young black males, and disproportionately the left is saying that that's what's driving the prison population unjustly. Cory Booker in the last debate said that there's systemic racism in our criminal justice system, and it's akin to slavery, that we're locking up more blacks than were enslaved in the 1850s. That's what he said. No, for every one of those, and they're justly locked up, there's people like John Quinn Whittle. You know, to me, look, you know, sometimes you could have kind of domestic disputes that are complicated, but to just go up to a stranger and attempt to rape her, I mean, you should serve hard time. This guy didn't serve a day in jail. I don't know the full story there, but this is, this is not an exception. This is the rule. Nobody serves any time. So before we get to the racial numbers, and by the way, we're going to cite from the uniform crime statistics from 2018 from the FBI that just came out. So we're going to have brand new data on this. So make sure to bookmark this show. You're going to hear a lot of, you know, a lot of stats that you haven't heard. I'm going to try to say it as slowly as I can. Just, you know, it's kind of hard to throw around numbers. But I first just want to talk about just the general system, what's going on before we get to race. This is just just everyone. This notion that we <clears throat> lock up too many people for too long for non-serious first-time things. In reality, what we have in prison is all high-level people. You know, you have some white-collar crimes. But again, white-collar crimes do need to be deterred. I mean, you don't want Bernie Madoffs being able to um, get away with um, nothing. Otherwise, you'll have a lot more of them. And they could really destroy people's lives. But anyway, <clears throat> uh, Raphael Manguel of the Manhattan Institute, one of the only real places um, that is still fighting crime, you got Heather McDonald, our friend over there as well. 60% of state prisoners are serving time for murder, rape, assault, robbery, or burglary. Okay, so right off the bat, 60% of those in state, not fe federal is more serious, you graduate. Those are people that have massive rap sheets that are viewed as major threats where the federal prosecutors will come in behind the states and, and um, try to get them off the streets. State systems, 60% are murder, rape, assault, robbery, and burglary. And that means they are in for convictions. As you well know, many, uh, uh, most of the other 40% are going to be for either drugs or other things where um, they've committed a lot of these things, often initially arrested, but they weren't convicted for them. But anyway, if you just take that population, in other words, imagine if we only lock people up for murder, rape, assault, robbery, or burglary. Okay, only those things. There's a hell of a lot of really bad dudes that wouldn't be locked up. Do you know that that alone is four times the number convicted of only drug offenses? Okay? And of course, those with drug offenses plea down. And they often commit other violent crimes. Now, even as it stands now, without the more robust jailbreak that they want to implement, but the existing jailbreak that we've had the last 10 years or so, 
less than 15% of state felony convictions result in more than two years served in prison. I want you to understand that. Less than 15% of those in state prison are serving for, for, um, for more than two years. So this notion that we lock people up too long, we don't lock up people at all. Even 20% of those in prison for murder get less than two years. And a lot of them get only three, four, five, six, seven years, which is the average, really, seven. 60% of those in prison for rape or sexual assault get less than two years. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, serve less than five years, less than five years in prison. Um, you know, all this talk about Me Too. I'll be honest with you. I was kind of in the dark about this until the last couple of months studying this. I didn't realize how little time rapists and even child molesters serve. There are still some that go away for a long time, but a lot of them don't. And uh, where's this women's movement? I mean, there, there's a lot of these people that attack women. You know, rape is going up every year. The statistics show rape is going up. Now, obviously, again, only 15% of those serving time in state prison are for drugs. So this notion that it's, oh, it's being driven by drugs, only 15%, and most of those are repeat offenders with long rap sheets. And then even those who are repeat offenders with long rap sheets who are not possession, trafficking. And these are the serious drugs nowadays killing a lot of people. The average, the median sentence is 17 months. As Fordham University law professor John Pfaff wrote in a recent Politico op-ed, quote, if we freed everyone in prison tomorrow, except that 25% who are there for murder, manslaughter, or sexual assault. Murder, manslaughter, sexual assault. So not robbery or aggravated assault. We'd still have an incarceration rate higher than that of almost every European country. So this notion that somehow we lock up too many people and for too long and for too stupid of offenses, and that's why America is different than Europe. No, 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 no. If you limited it not to those committing it, because there's plenty more who commit it, as we've noted, every year, hundreds of thousands of murders, rapes, robberies, and assaults go uncleared. We, know we don't catch the guy. You know, there's every year, every single year, there's roughly um, 15, 20,000 murders we don't catch, um, 80,000 robberies, hundreds of thousands of assaults, hundreds of thousands of rapes. So if we actually caught everyone, which we would all hope to do, your prison population would be even bigger. And again, just limited to the worst offenses. So this whole thing, meaning you can't disagree over this. These are hard numbers. Other things are surveys, polls, but these are hard numbers of the prison population. It's a, it's a confined and defined population. You can't, I mean, these are facts. I mean, I'm sorry, I overstated my case a little bit. 
I said 20,000 murder cases. No, about 6,000 murder cases go uncleared every year. 79,000 rape cases, 206,000 robbery cases, and 349,000 aggravated assault cases. But these are, but so we don't catch them. But among the ones we do, we still would have a greater population in the prison than most European countries, even if, even if we let out every other bad dude and never lock them up which a lot of them we we essentially do nowadays um so so that's with that baltimore the average murder suspect the average murder suspect had nine prior arrests 70 percent had prior arrests for drugs which tells you that the people doing all the crime are cycling in and out they're not being deterred. They're not being locked up for long. 85% of murder suspects had a criminal record. And 44% were previously arrested for gun crimes. So we're not locking up people for gun crimes. You could prevent almost every murder in this country. Now, who are these people? Why is it that even if you take drugs out of the equation, and you take property crimes out of the equation, and even burglary, and larceny out of the equation. Why is it that we have so much violent crime in this country that overshadows the prison populations of almost every other country, just that alone, allowing for the fact that there's so much more of this going on that we're not even catching? And the answer is young black males. That is the answer. Let's go through some of this. So I want you to direct your attention to the screen here. Those of you who are not listening uh, on YouTube or listening on, on uh, iTunes, it's great. But take a look at, at the video. I want you guys to see this chart our team here prepared from the Bureau of Justice Statistics. This is a very important report. It's the annual National Crime Victimization Survey. And you could take a look at all the permutations of interracial crimes, okay? So we're told it's, it's white supremacism, whites are doing this and that. The reality is the endless videos you are seeing on the web of this knockout game, the endless attacks on Jews in New York City, the endless attacks on, on whites everywhere, and it's very much racially motivated, it's backed up by the data. <laughs> You see it. And essentially what you see here is that certainly black on white violence is by far the largest interracial violence you have. Again, most crime still is committed between race, intra-racial, but among interracial crimes, 90% of violent encounters between blacks and whites in 2018, according to the Bureau of Justice Statistics, were done by blacks against whites, where it's only 9.5% only were done by whites against blacks. So in other words, um, if you look at all the numbers and you add it up, out of 593,598 interracial violent victimizations between blacks and whites, almost all of them were done by blacks. And that would be astounding enough if, there were an equal number of blacks and whites in the country, but there's about five, five and a half times more whites in the country than blacks. So to have 
in raw numbers, 90% of those incidents be done black on white is astounding. That is astounding. Hundreds of thousands of these incidents. Now, again, that's still only a tiny fraction of the black population. Most blacks are law-abiding citizens. So when you don't deter those people, you're hurting everyone because ultimately they go on to victimize blacks just as often, if not more often. But that is the 800-pound gorilla in the room that no one wants to talk about. That is the big issue. That is the crime. Most crime is coming from young black males. And if you look, you, you go down, down the, the chart here, it truly is unbelievable to, to just get a sense of how limited white on other race crimes are, given that whites are still, I mean, diminishingly, but still the majority, majority in this country. Um, it, it's just not the problem. You know, basically, blacks are the victim least often. You, you could, you know, again, you look at the chart, white on black and Hispanic on black are the least predominant, you know, the rarest forms of, inter, of interracial crimes. Um, whereas whites are really the victim most often. Black on white is the certainly the big one, but Hispanic on white is also huge. Now, white on Hispanic is does register. It's um, almost half that of Hispanic on white. But I will note that that gets very confusing because a lot of times Hispanics are designated as white. I see it in a lot of the arrest records and bookings. A lot, a lot of the cases we've been going over here, um, just as often they'll designate them as white, depends on the country they're from, or just it's just kind of opinion, you know, whoever's doing the the booking there in law enforcement. So it's actually overrepresented, I would say. Um, some of that is likely Hispanic on Hispanic in there, but that's not so much the focus today. That chart is worth a thousand words. That's everything. This is it. They comprise, blacks comprise 12% of the population, yet are responsible for 90% of the interracial violent incidents between blacks and whites. And you're telling me the problem we have is, is white supremacism? And as Heather McDonald pointed out, and she mentioned this statistic in a recent uh, column last week at the Manhattan Institute city, uh, city paper, and she said that the trend is getting worse because in 2012, 2013, blacks committed about, 18, about 85%. Now it's up to 90.5%. So the trend is getting worse. So if you want to talk about the predominant trend, that's it. All these knockout, knockout attacks it's showing up in the in the data. It doesn't lie. I mean, this is just the reality. And um, so that's the general violent victimizations. But, you know, it shows up in the more targeted hate crimes as well. You'll say, well, Daniel, that's general crime. But it's not like white supremacism is, you know, targeting out of hate, not just general crime. But, but this this also is. Here, here's the reality. Here's the reality. Hate crimes documented um, by the FBI, black perpetrators were the offenders in 21.3% of cases. That's almost twice their share of the population. Whites were underrepresented. 
They were 63 or so percent of the population. They were 50 percent of the hate, hate crime offenders. According to the NYPD, anti-Semitic attacks in New York City have increased 63 percent over last year, which already was an increase over the previous year. Now, who is um, committing those anti-Semitic incidents? Well, last November, there was a New York Times article that actually uh, had a stunning admission. Stunning admission of what is going on in New York. And again, this is before it really took off even more. So you want to know, well, who is committing these anti-Semitic attacks in New York? New York Times said during the past 22 months, not one person caught or identified as the aggressor in an anti-Semitic hate crime has been associated with a far right wing group. Mark Molinari, commanding officer of the police department's hate crimes task force, told me. And NYPD really has the best data of anyone. New York Times goes on to say, if anti-Semitism bypasses consideration as a serious problem in New York, it is to some extent because it refuses to conform to an easy narrative with a single ideological enemy. In fact, it is the varied backgrounds, varied backgrounds of people who commit hate crimes in the city that make combating and talking about anti-Semitism in New York much harder. Bias stemming from long-standing ethnic tensions in the city presents complexities that make liberals um, that many liberals have chosen simply to ignore. <laughs> oh boy, unbelievable! Um, yep, there, there, there you go. Um, that's definitely one way to explain it. Varied backgrounds pose a big, they're right. Varied backgrounds pose a big challenge to intellectual and academic honesty. Because you would have to say that pretty much every single attack against Jews in New York is committed by blacks. But again, this is more systemic than that. It goes even further than that. We have brand new. FBI uniform crime data just came out on Tuesday. So we now have 2018. And by the way, I would venture to say, based on anecdotally what we're seeing, 2019 is going to blow the roof off of this. But in 2018, of the 11,514 homicide offenders whose race is known, a whopping 55% were black, 40 42% white, and 3% other. 55% of homicide offenders, folks. Again, blacks comprise 12% of the population. But again, remember, there is a lot of interracial crime, but 53% of all murder victims were also blacks. So when you propose policies to let out repeat offenders, not lock them up, weak on crime, all this garbage, because you want to protect blacks, the most common victims of that will be other black citizens. Just remember that. Certainly, they're responsible for a lion's share of the hate crime and interracial violence, but they're also certainly most responsible for black-on-black -black violence. And according to the FBI, in cases where the race of both the victim and offender were known, you know, because sometimes they don't have all the data, but where they have all the data, 
a staggering 89% of black homicide victims were murdered by black offenders. You could take this white supremacism thing and shove it up your rear end because you are ignoring thousands upon thousands of homicides every year committed by a relatively small but potent young black male population that is going unpunished and undeterred and they're responsible for many of the other knockout assaults and robberies and many other crimes and is harming everyone. When you put racial politics ahead of true equality under the law and law and order and true justice, you achieve nothing. You achieve neither racial harmony, harmony or, um, or, or peace or, or safety because everyone is harmed. If you want to drill down even further, in 2017, black males, so we said blacks accounted for 55%, but mainly it's black, it's, it's black males, they accounted for 45% of all homicides. Even though black males make up 7% of the population, 45% of the homicides. That means they commit murders at a rate eight times higher than whites. But I'm not done yet. You go down the list. In 2018, African-Americans accounted for 54% of those arrested for robbery, 34% of those arrested for aggravated assault, and 43% of weapons violations. 43% of weapons violations. 12% of the population, 43% of the weapons violations in this country. There's something like 28, 29% of rapes, which is still, you know, two and a half times their, their share of the population. In total, and here's the key number, if you add up all the violent crime categories and you aggregate that, according to the FBI, they, um, they uh, composed 37.4% of all violent crime arrests in the country. What share of the, pop of the prison population is black? According to Pew's latest numbers, it's 33%. If you combine all of state and federal prison, 33%, yet they're arrested for 37.4% of the violent crimes in this country. And when I say violent, I'm not including drugs because what's funny is if you look at drugs, here, let me, let me scroll down here in the FBI's table. Actually, if you look at drugs here, Truth be told, they are responsible for 27%, 27%. Violent crime, 37.4, you know, murder and, and rape is in the, and, and robberies in the 50s. So <laughs> it's not drugs. It's not drug laws being racist. It's not that they are incarcerated more than whites. They are actually incarcerated less than whites because of the stigma and they so badly don't want to lock them up they give them more more rope than they would whites clearly um and again the black prison population is dropping quicker than any other population much quicker than whites um because they so badly want to keep down those numbers even though they commit more and more greater share of of the violent crime among juveniles it's even worse if you look at the, the FBI data, even worse. Black criminals who are under 18, 
are responsible for 58% of juvenile murders, 64% of robbery, 41% of aggravated assault, 52% of motor vehicle theft, and 48% of overall crime among offenders under 18. Dude, we have an under-incarceration problem. Um, and again, we went through the, the, the drug statistics. This is simple FBI data. Simple data. So the truth be told, it's mainly young pockets of young black males that are not being punished. They are not being uh, deterred are repeat offenders and are responsible for the lion's share of the violent crime and therefore are responsible for the prison population. And really, if we actually, if we actually, you know, properly locked up those who are responsible, not for drug trafficking, which often overlaps, but just the big four categories, robbery, homicide, rape, and aggravated assault, the, the black prison population would swell without a single drug law in this country. Remember, remember, remember. What did we say before? Let me get, get our data here from uh, the other report. 206,000 robbery cases go unsolved every year. What did we just say? 54% of those arrested from the ones we do catch are black. That means that there's likely, on average, over 100,000 other black robbery suspects that we never catch. Now, a lot of that is doubled up. You know, we do catch them on their second or third try. It's, these are incidents, robberies, not, you know, unique individuals. But still, it's got to be a heck of a lot of people. Aggravated assault. 349,000 aggravated assault cases go uncleared. And we just said that 34% of those were from blacks. That's about 115, 117,000. And even murder, 6,000 murder cases go uncleared. Blacks are arrested for about 55% of the ones we know. That's several thousand more black murderers that are on the streets. And again, as we chronicle every day, jailbreak is a problem across all groups. We're, we're not deterring white criminals, Hispanic criminals, any criminal. And they want to go more. But the biggest thing that's fueling this is the lies that blacks are 12% of the population. How dare they, uh, you know, co compose 33% of the um, prison population? Well, they compose 37.4% of the violent crime. And 55% um, of the murders, 54% of the robberies, and among the youth. And the reason why I say the youth is very important because most youth aren't locked up at all. Those aren't even in the prison population, and they're responsible for like half of all the violent crime among youth in the country. And so many of those aren't locked up at all because they're juveniles. And we're so lenient on juveniles. We have an under-incarceration problem. But again, if we truly deterred the ones that we caught over time, you wouldn't even need to incarcerate that many because 
deterrent works. It's really depressing. I just want to um, have some loose, loose observations here before we close up shop here on the Uniform Crime Report. Um, just a couple of observations we've had. We have, I, I know I posted this before, but these were 2017 numbers. Now we have 2018 numbers. Breaking down the main murder weapons, okay? What is the typical murder weapon for homicide? So this is just another thing I've culled from the uniform crime statistic. And again, so just like white supremacism is the biggest problem, not young black males in terms of offenders. But in terms of the weapon, assault rifles are the biggest problem, right? Well, you could take a look here that most of the homicides were com committed by simple with simple handguns. Rifles, and that includes assault rifles and non-so-called assault rifles, 297 the whole year. There have been more than double that, 672 with personal bodies. That's the knockout and things like that, the beatings. 443, almost twice as many with blunt objects like clubs. 1515, over, over 1500 with knives or sharp cutting objects. That, that's almost, uh, gosh, you know, five times as many people killed with knives than assault weapons and then handguns. The story, the security story in this country with domestic crime is not assault rifles and it's not white supremacism. It's young black males in inner cities, mainly with handguns or knives, and sometimes the knockout game in fists harming other people, but mainly killing blacks. That is the travesty. And every minute you focus on everything else, on assault rifles and, and white supremacism, you are ensuring that we're going to continue seeing six to 8,000 dead blacks in this country due to homicide. You're doing nobody any favors by playing racial politics. That is the hard data. And it's even worse than that. If you drill into this, you'll find the proclivity for crime is even worse. But these are the hard numbers from the FBI. One other observation I want to get out is I noticed as I was looking at violent crime rates, I took a look at Hispanics because I thought just, you know, we take a look at that. And we've, we've noted that a big part of the problem we have here is that, um, what do you call it? Basically, we have no way of knowing how much violent, how much of the crime is committed by illegal aliens because they don't document that, which we should, because that's very important to know if this is, you know, how much is a foreign problem. We talk about this almost every day. But one thing that's very interesting is Hispanics compose about 18% of the national population pie. They are, you know, cited for 26% of the violent crime arrests. Now, I don't know about you, I can't prove this, but based on socioeconomics and basic criminology, you got to believe that legal Hispanics, naturalized citizen Hispanics, commit less than illegal aliens. I don't think anyone would disagree with me on that point. So if it's an 1826 proposition, that number is likely much more lopsided among illegals. Now, illegals aren't just Hispanic, but 
the largest number of illegals are Hispanic, and that's just the data we have. So I'm just saying anyone who says that they commit less crime than the national average is full of crap. Now, some of it is because blacks commit such an appalling level, so anything below that will kind of make it go down. But if you take that out of the scheme, and you look, let's say, compared to native whites, illegal aliens, there's no doubt, commit an insane amount of violent crime. Probably not as much as blacks, but remember, you know, they're born here and we have to deal with what we have. We don't have to deal with another pop violent population of other countries. So that's just a side point I've culled from the FBI uniform crime reporting. Look, I didn't even get to half of what I wanted to get to today, but here's the reality. Justice is blind. When you do the crime, you do the time. When you kill someone, and it's clear you did it, and it, was, it wasn't just like kind of an anomalous circumstance, it was just a cold-blooded murder, it wasn't somewhat of a mistake, I'm talking about first degree, you should get the death penalty. If we had that, if we locked up violent criminals pre-trial and didn't let them out on easy bond, if we didn't allow people to violate parole, we would solve the crime problem in this country. You wouldn't even need to talk about race because it wouldn't matter. But I'm not going to sit back and allow the left and the phony right, which is all these conservative think tanks, saying, we lock up too many black people for, for drugs. Uh, no, um, no, that, that, that's simply not true. Actually, ironically, we lock up blacks for drugs much less than, we, than their share of almost every other crime. Um, so, you know, this is just hard data. It's the most uniform data we use. If anyone has other data to challenge this, I'm, I'm, I'm ears. But it is very clear that if you're looking for the truth, the violent problems we have in this country overwhelmingly come from relatively small but outsized share pockets of young black males who are not deterred and are not punished. You deter and punish them. You help everyone. And most prominently, you will save a ton of black lives in the, in the inner city. We're going to keep focusing on this. We're going to keep talking about this. These are just statistics. But you know what? There's real stories behind them. There's real people like that woman who, by the way, I think was black, 71-year-old, who has a broken jaw now because of a young black male who was arrested for attempted rape, never served a day, and he was out to just brutally assault her. These people need to be taken off the street. It's that simple. It is that simple. It's not a matter, oh, we incarcerated too many blacks and destroyed them with drugs. Uh, no, that's the cart before the horse. The crime was there first, and it wasn't even drug crime. All these are doing drugs too, but what we're, but the data I'm talking about are the people who are actually convicted of it. If you drill down, I'm sure a hell of a lot of the ones we catch for drugs who are black and white too were originally arrested for one of those other violent crime categories. But when we talk about violent crime, we're not even including drugs. The FBI is not including drugs in that. Just remember, 12% of the population, 37.4% of 
the violent crime. And if you would limit that to young black males, you'd probably get something like 5% of the population responsible for 25, 30%. 40, 45% of the murders. It's a very grim reality, but we're not going to solve this problem by misdiagnosing it and lying about it. And that's what we're all about here. We're about truth and justice. And we're going to continue tomorrow. Same time, same place. Truth and justice. Send me your feedback, comments, concerns, complaints, hate mail. dhorowitz at blazemedia.com. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at Conservative Review. Also sign up for Blaze TV as well. Get your subscription. We have many, many other shows on this network as well. Um, Till tomorrow, stay safe, stay armed, and stay vigilant.